0: Good afternoon, everyone. This is Flint McLaughlin, your yet, yet another Marketing Experiments Web Clinic. Today's topic is uh, email messaging, how overcoming three common errors increase click-through by 104%. This is going to be uh, um, one of those clinics that probably tilt your thinking. But let me first of all thank you for your patience. We have had so many people trying to get into these clinics that we've had to move to a more sophisticated technology And we have rehearsed with this new technology three times, and uh, today is our fourth run with it and our real beta test of a new approach. Uh, With the previous technology, we could not have more than a 1,000 attendees. With this new technology, uh, we should be able to allow more people to attend these events, which keep growing in popularity. And so bear with us if we have further technical issues. We're still learning how to use the system, but uh, hopefully we'll get it right and – and be able to seamlessly move through today's content. So back to the topic, how overcoming three common errors has increased, clicked through by 104%. Uh, there is a lot of copy written about email. There are a lot of tips provided. There are sometimes lists of errors you don't want to make. But I dare say that almost no one on this uh, clinic today has heard of these three particular errors. They are different than you might expect, and they're grounded in our research and experimentation across 10,000 tests of landing pages and, and, uh, and uh, many, many more in email and email campaigns. I'm joined today by Gabby Payez and Adam Lapp. Both are uh, longtime experts in our lab, some of our oldest employees in MEC Labs, Old in terms of tenure, but not necessarily in terms of age. We're a fairly young group. Let me say it differently. They're a fairly young group. I'm the old guy here. And, uh, and uh, they'll be helping us with live optimization. So once we get through the core content, we're going to be applying it together as we look at various pages and uh, emails that have been submitted. Let me move right away into a case study. This is from our... Um, uh, let, test uh, protocol library. This is the largest physician-only social network, and it offers uh, its knowledge base to pharmaceutical companies. The goal was to increase email click-through from rented list to landing page. And as in every good experimental design, the question is which email will generate the highest click-through rate. Now that which question should lead to a why question, which gives us customer insight. The design was uh, multi-factor sequential, and we'll have to explain that in uh, more detail. If you have questions, let us know because it was year-to-year and seasonal. In the beginning, uh, we should look at the control. You should be able to see the control. The name has been, um, has been anonymized, but you can see the email. And you'll notice that value is buried in the second paragraph and at the top above the iPath and you'll see that the offer in the email is for a 30-minute demo and that the call to action requires a relatively high level of commitment. Think about that email because we're going to show you the treatment now and uh, the treatment is uh, simple and uh, in some ways radically different. You'll notice the value has now been moved and it's being communicated in the headline and the first paragraph. And you'll see that we've asked for less commitment in the offer and call to action. Now, I'm moving through this rapidly because we're going to look in more depth at clear examples as this time uh, together unfolds. But let's look at both emails side to side, control and treatment, and ask yourself a simple question. What is the primary difference? And we've given you some hint of that. And how much impact do you think this difference should have on the conversion rate? Here's the control, here's the treatment, let's look at the results. By changing the messaging, the email is able to help us uh, generate a 104% lift in click through. Now that's a pretty dramatic increase and it's connected to some deep new thinking regarding the, the way we design and message in the email channels. And so we're going to move through three key pieces of uh, thinking, three insights tightly connected to the most common errors and the most dangerous errors that we've observed here in the laboratory. I'll start with the first and it is called macro distortion. I'll explain that first of all by talking a bit about the funnel. Uh, You know, at the essence of marketing is messaging and at the essence of messaging is the value proposition. And despite the import of that statement, you can go to a good B-School, get an MBA in marketing, and still not have a clear idea as to how to move the needle. In fact, there is a solid chance that you could get your entire education based in uh, specialized expertise in marketing and not even have a single image controlling thought construct in which to bring together all the various skills and uh, information sets that you probably tried to acquire or were exposed to in your education process. Marketing education is broken. And one of the most common uh, images that we often use to talk about the decisions necessary in marketing is the funnel. But I'd like to argue with you today that the model itself is broken and that the funnel is a poor representation of what's really happening. You see, people don't fall into your funnel. Gravity does not drag them in and gravity is not our friend as marketers. Gravity is working against us. To get a clear more accurate understanding of what happens in the decision funnel we need to invert it because gravity is pulling people out of your funnel. Indeed more people more people come out than are going in or put it this way. Far less people survive the entire climb or the entire process than you or I would like. The funnel represents and should be thought of as a representation of what's at the heart of marketing, and that is a series of decisions. Those decisions are are key transitions. I would call them micro yeses. And there are a series of micro yeses necessary to helping someone achieve an ultimate yes, and the ultimate yes is a sale in most cases and at each of these junctures we have to help people climb up the funnel now you're going to see something here called a CVP and a DVP and you're probably wondering what that is and I'll come back to it in just a moment but think of it like this when someone receives an email there's a micro decision uh, that must be made will I open this email or not this requires a yes Then once it's open, they've got to determine whether they're going to engage with the content, and that requires another yes, or it might require several yeses as they move through the various parts of the body copy. Then there is a question of whether or not they're going to respond to the call to action and likely click through to a landing page, and this also involves a yes. These micro yeses must aggregate until we've achieved an ultimate yes. And what's interesting to me is that it requires a lot of micro yeses To achieve an ultimate yes but it requires only one no to arrest the entire process in many cases all of marketing should be thought of as essentially assisting people through these micro yeses sales is often engaged at the ultimate yes level but marketing gets people through the micro yeses so that they can finally be at that place or that position where they can make the ultimate yes on this funnel we see three as an example but in many cases, there could be 20 or 30 micro yeses necessary or even more to getting someone ready for an ultimate yes. Now, if gravity is pulling people out, it's like the second law of thermodynamics in physics. Um, uh, things aren't getting better, things are getting worse. That's essentially what this law says, and I'm oversimplifying it. But you are working against force. There is resistance in your marketing efforts and there must be some kind of significant force that drives people up the funnel. That force is your value proposition, and the CDP on this diagram stands for the core value proposition, and your business has a central core value proposition that should be driving people up the funnel. Most of us can't define a value proposition, much less give an accurate accounting of our own. But even if we can do that, we don't understand what a derivative value proposition is. And that is critical to understanding this first point, this first error, macro distortion. Because the, the derivative value proposition represents those, those small value points that help drive people up through each decision phase. It helps tilt them towards a yes. Now, you might be looking at this now and trying to get a clear understanding. And the best I can say to you before we move on and start to unpack this is that each step in the climb up the funnel requires someone to make a judgment and say, yes, I'll take that step. And the force that gets them to say yes is when or is the derivative value proposition. And in a nutshell, what you need to achieve is this, the perceived force, needs to outweigh the perceived cost associated with that step. For instance, just clicking on a button requires you to determine whether or not you want to do so and if the button promises free access instead of demands that you submit it's promising value in exchange for the click and it's helping someone say yes. So how does that connect to macro distortion? Let me show you. This is uh, a typical kind of email scenario and it goes back to our original case study. There's the email and there's the landing page. And many people would say these are the steps in the process. First we've got to get them to the email and then we've got to get them to the landing page. But that is an example of the kind of macro distortion that keeps you from understanding what's really going on. You have to look deeper than that. We do not try to optimize emails at MEC Labs. We do not try to optimize landing pages at MEC Labs. We are trying to optimize the thought sequence, and the thought sequence is engaged with a series of decisions. Essentially, we have to win a series of micro yeses. So we have to think differently, because there is more going on here than simply moving from the email to the landing page. Instead, you're moving from a subject line, to a headline, to a first paragraph, to the body copy, to the call to action. And that drives you forward into a landing page where you're supposed to read the headline. And may I say to you that the headline has a single job? It's to get you to read the subheadline and into the first paragraph. The goal of a headline is not to sell your product. The goal of a headline is not to talk about your brand. The goal of the headline is not to express your value proposition. Could it? Yes. But that's not its goal. Its goal is to get you into the conversation. The headline is a pickup line and serves precisely in the same function. Tonight uh, here in Florida, it's 4.20 p.m., uh, soon this company will be uh, starting to shut down and people will be heading out to the homes and I suppose some of these young people will head over to a bar. Adam has his hand up. Adam, by the way, is sitting across from me, Adam Lap. he is wearing a suit coat, he's wearing a t-shirt, and he's wearing a tie around his neck, it's tied over the T-shirt, he's wearing a pair of jeans and a pair of sandals and a ball cap. And if you wonder the, why uh, Labs is different, it's because our employees are conflicted. Uh, Adam may head to a bar, I don't know if it will be sans tie or not, but if he is going to try to, to, to develop any relationship, if he were to see the perfect woman, and Adam is single, if he were to see the perfect woman at that bar tonight and want to somehow have the chance of a genuine relationship, It must start with a conversation, wouldn't you agree? He can't walk up to her and kiss her. To walk up to her and to kiss her would be to get the sequence of thought out of order. Adam has to get a series of micro-yeses before he can get that kiss. And so what must he do? Well, he's going to have to walk up to her and say something to get her to kind of turn and open and give him the opportunity for conversation. What will Adam resort to? The pickup line. It's tragic, but it's true. And he probably carries a whole book of them in his pocket. He works in that labs. And uh, everyone here is uh, laughing at at Adam. Adam's pickup line is designed to open a conversation. And ladies on the phone, how many of you have have been plagued with lame pickup lines? You know how bad they are. The only place to find more bad pickup lines than the bar is on the Internet because they're everywhere at the tops of our pages. A headline is not a pickup line as a form of analogy. I'm not saying this to give you a, a kind of a general ideal of what a headline or idea of what a headline is. A headline is a pickup line. Its job is to get that person visiting your site to open up to a conversation, which occurs as their eyes move through the subheadline, into the first par- paragraph, into the body, into the call to action. And what I'd like you to understand that's so significant at this point is that it is all of these steps that must be transversed in order to finally get someone to an ultimate yes. I need a micro yes at the subject line, at the headline, at the first paragraph, at the body, at the call to action. Macro distortion occurs when you just see a web page and you see an email and you think your job is to move them from the email to the web page. It's not so. Your job is to move them from the subject line to the headline to the first paragraph to the body, etc. Which is why equally weighted columns on web pages so hurt you when it comes to conversion. They prevent a sequential flow of thought. So. Let's look at this first email. In fact, uh, I'm looking now at the optimized version. And what you have is a subject line. You have a headline. And that headline drives you into the next piece. You have the first two inches where you start to deliver the most important messaging. The largest social network of verified US physicians representing 68 specialities. Physicians spend 3,500 hours per month discussing drugs, medical products, and procedures. Do you see how carefully crafted that email is? It's powerful. It's designed to support the message of the value proposition and to give it evidentials. It's credible and it gives you a reason to get to the next part. And that's down to the engage physicians in the following ways section, which leads towards the call to action. So now you're into the body copy. And from there, you click forward from the CTA to the landing page. And you've got to read the headline. And again, you have the first two inches and the body copy and the CTA. Can that page be improved? Of course it can be improved. But that's not the point. The point is this. This path requires all of these micro yeses to achieve eventually an ultimate yes. And the marketer must stop thinking about email and web pages and start thinking about micro yeses and thought sequences. To do so will move you into a whole new level of performance in the work that you do. It's much more significant for you to consider how to help the prospect move through each micro yes up the funnel, not down the funnel, up the funnel towards the ultimate yes. Now, there's a lot of thoughts coming in and questions I'm watching, and we're going to get your thoughts before too much longer as we look at live optimization. But because I have a lot of content to deliver, because my time is limited, and because this content may uh, tilt your thinking, I'm going to move right into the next point. Macro distortion is a critical error that inhibits our performance, but so then is conflated objectives. Now, conflated objectives occur when you fail to recognize the sequential flow of each step up the funnel. At each step or at each stage, you should be selling the next step, not the one that comes after it, three steps away. But you must flow through it. Let's look at uh, the not this example. Look at it very carefully. What it's doing is it's showing you a design that has the call to action too soon. Before they have made enough internal yeses, micro yeses, to be ready to respond to your call to action. This is a conflated objective. This is forgetting what the goal of each movement through and up the funnel is supposed to, to represent. Let's go back to Adam. If Adam goes into the bar tonight, sees a beautiful girl, walks up to her and presents her a beautiful diamond ring, kisses her on the lips, he's probably going to find himself outside of the bar in a quick hurry. I imagine he'll get slapped, and the bouncers will probably follow that up with their own version of uh, of censure. What would Adam be guilty of? Very simple, moving the call to action above the fold. In the end. Adam is asking for too much, too soon. Now, he has far more wisdom than that, and, uh, and because he's been optimizing landing pages for so long that I'm sure he has this all worked out. But every time you force, because you heard some truism uh, that was uh, foisted on you from years gone by, when we were working in direct print and newspapers, that you must keep the call to action above the fold, Every time you you simply follow that blindly, you're forgetting a critical piece. That sometimes forcing people to make a decision before they're ready forces them to make the decision that you don't want. It could be this girl at the bar uh, has a potential affinity for uh, sexy marketing experts who wear ball caps and ties with their T-shirts. It might be that she's the perfect woman for Adam and he's the perfect uh, mate for her but he'll never know if he walks up to her and gives her a ring and kisses her on the lips because she will terminate his opportunity every day we have our opportunity terminated because we force people to make the decision before they're ready and when you stick that call to action too soon in the thought sequence you're you're committing uh, an error you are conflating your objectives so then The email needs to flow sequentially through the thought sequence over to the landing page where again the same process takes place. You can see in the original email that we sell a 30 minute demo in the first paragraph. Now, we don't know at this point what this is about, how long it takes to download, whether we have to go somewhere, whether we have to fill out a form to complete it, if we even want it yet. If you look at the original email, it says need to engage practicing physicians, Learn how to use physician-only social media tools to conduct research and create product awareness. Now, I'm just going to ask you to engage your memory for a moment. Do you recall the optimized email? In fact, let me just show it to you. No, let me just remind you of it. It talked about uh, the largest social network of verified US physicians. It talked about the number of specialties. I think it was 68. It talked about, it's very difficult for me to read the small print, and I'm trying to see it on my screen. 35,000 hours per month being spent on the site it uses quantitative statements to drive up your desire to interact more and it raises the appeal of the opportunity and intensifies the exclusivity of the offer we don't do any of that here we just go for the gold try to get the lead now and We start selling online tools before people understand what we're talking about. And we ask the reader at the bottom not to learn more, not to, you know, move to the next step, but basically to commit, let's get married now. It's too much, it's too fast, and it hurts performance. So when we showed you these two emails in the beginning, it was just a rapid comparison. And you might have seen, well, that other one looks a bit better. But you need to understand that between these two emails is a great void. And science has what's created this void. There's a great difference in approach. And you can't see the difference by looking at the email. In fact, you can see that one is slightly different than the other. But you can't see the dramatic difference, the dramatic difference that produces a 104% increase. You can't see that until you look tighter and closer and deeper past the email into the thought sequence, into the series of micro yeses. In the new email, each piece attracts you through the thought sequence. And then there's an interesting button at the bottom, see how, and that's the name of the product that's in black, works far less threatening than get started and that's the move that Adam needs to make Uh, frankly if all is successful he might have a conversation and if that goes really well he might get a phone number and if he were to get a phone number he has the beginning of a way to increase the dialogue he's now in the lead nurturing stage of this relationship and Adam we're all trying to help you out here (laughs) incentive works well Adam says uh, so, so that's how this process works. And by the way, you hear me a lot talk about relationships, uh, a guy meeting a girl. This is because at the essence, marketing is about relationships. And the same voice that you use when you go to meet someone at a party when you're, when you're sober, Adam, and you're just talking and trying to create relationship is the same voice you should be using in your marketing collateral. But we, instead, we resort to some kind of hype and clever headlines and slogans and the kinds of things we'd never say to a real person in a real situation, and it hurts us. Here's an example of a conflated objective. Get paper now. Look at the call to action up there on the left. And download free report. And download again, it says in the middle. Not this. Look at the problems. Two competing calls to action. Little to no value in the headline. The first two inches are completely wasted. But this. Here's an example of a different approach from our own library. Now, I, I could tell you the story because this connects to something we did in the past. But what is the goal of this email? It's not to sell anything. The goal of this email is to get a click. Too many times we're trying to sell an email and then we're trying to sell them a landing page. It's, if they're already sold when they get to the landing page, why are you selling them again? And if you didn't sell them in the email, then why are you using the email to sell at all? Why don't you use the email to simply sell a click? to get them to click, because until they click, in most cases, now there's some rare exceptions, but in most cases, until they hit the landing page, you can't really close the transaction. Austin has spoken and said that your email, Austin, you may be familiar with, is one of the writers, and I think Paul was the key writer on this, as a matter of fact, and Paul is sitting here across from me, and I'm in the studio. By the way, we started to show you a video. You should see that video. It's what goes on behind the scenes to produce one of these web clinics, and it's fairly extensive. The video will show you uh, what we all look like when we're sitting around the table. No, I am not in a suit. Yes, you may have seen me <laughs> at a conference in a suit, but I am not here. I'm on the beach in flops and jeans, and, uh, and with my long, luxurious, thick hair. And, uh, and you'll see. And, uh, and so if you can go to our website somewhere. I don't know where. Is it on the Marketing Experiment site or the blog? tweeting
1: it through
0: hashtag. Blog. All right. He's tweeting it through hashtag tag web clinic a link where you can watch the video and you'll see how much work and research it takes to produce one of the clinics you're seeing right now just to conduct the research Uh, one more thing and I'll move on Uh, you should uh, if this is helpful and if you're starting to get it since you should look at the marketing Sherpa email summit we're going to be doing in Las Vegas at Caesars Palace in January Uh, uh, because I'm just touching on something that I'd like to spend far more time teaching and we'll be doing that there You can find that out at MarketingSherpa.com, I'm sure. So, your email, Paul wrote, might be conflated. It sounds like a David Letterman, uh, kind of a David Letterman show. It might be uh, conflated if your email says exactly what's on the landing page. That's a bad sign. Don't do it. Your email takes more than 30 seconds to read from beginning to end. Why are you trying to sell them in the email? Get them to the landing page where you can do it better. They can't understand your offer nearly as well in the limitations of an email browser. Your email looks and feels just like a web page. Your email looks and feels like a magazine. Your email has more than one central call to action. All of these are indicators that you have the second error, and that's conflated objectives. I'm now moving to the third. As soon as I'm done with this third point, which we're going to move through rapidly, we're going to start live optimization. Uh, The third point may uh, also tilt your thinking, but it's critical. Stay with me, and we'll try to deliver as much value as we can all the way up to the exact end of this clinic. Here is uh, the third error, assumed value. Assumed value. So we talked about macro distortion. We talked about conflated objectives, and now we're talking about assumed value. You remember we looked at the model, and we said that there must be a series of micro yeses to drive people up the funnel. Well, that is, uh, that is connected with the concept you see on this particular slide. At every juncture where there is a micro yes, there is a kind of particular force, a derivative value proposition that drives them up the funnel to the next step. And at the heart of that derivative value proposition is a simple understanding. People say yes, when perceived value outweighs perceived cost. The emphasis here is on perceived. Value might outweigh cost, but if they don't perceive it, it doesn't matter. So your job as a marketer is to get that perception. It is the job of your CEO to ensure that the company delivers a value proposition. It is the job of marketing to see that it is communicated. And so let's talk about that. as we go to this chart. This chart was built in our research group. I'm working on a book with some of our staff members, including Austin here, on the value proposition. It is a very misunderstood uh, uh, term. It was coined by a man named Michael Lanning, but it was referenced as a concept earlier, all the way back to textbooks in 1910. No one has brought together all of the components, and no one has attempted uh, to do significant research first before they presented their their theory. However, practitioners with significant experience have said some really valuable things, and we've factored all that in while we've conducted extensive research here in the Labs, and we're gonna be telling you more about it in the future. For now, here's what I can say. Every business has a central value proposition, and I could talk through uh, 1,100 academic articles and a lot of other pieces, or I can say to you that the answer to the question, what is a value proposition, is another question. That question is simply this, if I am the ideal customer, why should I purchase from you rather than any of your competitor? Now bear with me, I don't have eight hours to teach this, but every word in that statement, every phrase is critical. Even the fact that it's in the first person, because you've got to think through the eyes and the mind of the customer. Back to the thought sequence, back to the micro yeses. The value proposition is an answer, to this question. Again, if I am the ideal customer, why should I purchase from you rather than any of your competitors? But you know what? There are more than one kind of value proposition. The core value proposition drives the entire company's work. At MEC Labs, our value proposition is driven by a rigorous science. World's largest library of case studies and experiments. 10,000 plus experiments that have been tested. One billion emails, Austin, tested one way or the other. In aggregate, depending on how you count it, lots of emails being tested. Okay? And, and, and you know, 500,000 conversations with uh, decision makers, 5 million phone calls recorded. That's our value proposition's core. At the heart of it, I could restructure that, restate that, but that's the essence of how we would answer the key question. But at the same time, at Mech Labs, we have value propositions that are important to different levels of. Uh, at a derivative level. That means they're derived from the core, but they're, they're different. Three kinds, three P's, you can remember them. The prospect level value proposition, that's how that question will be answered to a given prospect category. If you serve banks, insurance companies, and government uh, institutions, then you might have three different expressions of the answer to that critical question based on the group you serve. There's also the product level. If you sell product A, product B, and product C, each product might have a specific answer to that question because the product itself has its own sub-value or derivative value proposition. One of the most confusing aspects of this is the prospect level value proposition. I'm sorry, the process level. The process level refers to any action you're asking someone to take on your website, like clicking on a button. That process, let's give you an easier one. If you have somewhere on your website where you're asking for an email address, the process that they must go through, that is, entering their email address, requires you to have a derivative value proposition that makes it worth their while. There, to go back to the earlier slide, the perceived value that they they will uh, accrue from that process should outweigh the perceived cost. This chart is part of a much more extensive conversation about value propositions and a lot more teaching that we do on this subject, but all that you need to know today is that for any action you ask someone to take on your website, you must clearly show them how the perceived value outweighs the perceived cost. Now, I want to... Say the word perceived is important, and I want to restate something I said earlier with a slight nuance. It is the job of your CEO. By the way, every good CEO must be a marketer. If that sounds like a pariah, you need to understand I'm not the only one that said it. Drucker said it too, and he was right. He has to be a marketer because it's his job to make sure that the company has a value proposition. He has to have a market, understand the market, how the organization is going to serve the market, and he is the ultimate custodian of the value proposition. It's the the job of the CEO to make sure the value outweighs the cost, but it's the job of the marketer to make sure the perceived value outweighs the perceived cost because the marketer messages that value proposition. Keeping that in mind, What's wrong with this email? Well, we talk about a free 30-minute demo, but there's no value communicated. We ask them to do several things here, but we don't communicate enough value to make it worth their while. So the only people who click on the email are those who are already familiar with the brand and know the value is there and you're simply reminding them, or people whose motivation level is so high that they are willing to take the risk. It's much better for us to communicate in a way that reaches people with lower levels of motivation, and that requires us to do something that you see in this optimized version, where we're explaining the value right up in the headline. The name of the company, it says, and it's blanked out, gives you immediate access to over 120,000 doctors. Now look, that is... That is proclaiming significant value. What is the goal of that headline? Somebody on the line, tell me right now on your, use your chat feature to answer the question. What is the goal of that headline? Write it in, I'm watching. Type your answer in on your uh, chat feature. Okay, class, you're being graded on this. This will be on your permanent school record. To get a yes, to make me keep reading, to get them to keep reading, you're all on the right point. The goal of the headline is to get them into that first paragraph. That is correct. It's not to sell the product, but that headline is powerful. It gives me a reason to read the first paragraph. It's the largest physician's group. No one else can make that claim. It has all of the key elements associated with value, and it drives them into a paragraph. What's that paragraph do? It has quantifiable reasons to read the rest of this, to move to the next piece. And then what is the button do, it gives you something that makes a lot of sense at this point in your thought sequence. You're interested. You want to understand how it works. No, you don't want to get started. No, you don't want to sign up. No, you don't want to register. And God knows you don't want to submit. What you want is to uh, find out how it works. And so the button comes with just the right message to get you to click through the landing page. That is an example of overcoming the assumed value in the earlier email. Good answers coming in by many of you, and I'm glad to see that. And I hope this new system, this new technology that we're using today will help because we'll be able to get more of you online and even show video and do some interesting uh, new features. For now, however, I'd like to suggest that we move to live optimization. I want to summarize for you, however, and say that in your emails today, you should walk away from this session asking, have I any examples of macro distortion? Is there any place where my objectives are conflated and I am perhaps moving the call to action too soon or I'm trying to sell in the email instead of on the landing page? And thirdly, you should ask, am I assuming value instead of delivering it clearly in the messaging? Clarity trumps persuasion. If you really have value, you don't need to hype it, but you must clearly communicate it. And... Uh, I was given a little yellow sticky pad just now by Paul. And again, once you see the video, you'll kind of get a look at the studio we're in right now as, as, as we're doing this. And it says Email Summit. When I brought up the Email Summit the first time, it was natural, it was honest, and I was doing it because it seemed like something you should do. Now I'm doing it because I'm supposed to remind you to go there because Paul probably wants tickets to be sold. Uh, it's the largest in the world, and it has all of this rigorous science and it has uh, case studies from practitioners. There are no vendors selling from the platform. It's all about the science, and it's all about the experience of marketers like you. Paul, is that good enough? And if you register today, I will give you Paul's home phone number, and you can call him at any hour, 24 hours a day, with your email questions. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're gonna move on now. We're gonna look at live op websites, and to do that, I want, to, uh, I want to move to the first one. Now, is this a website or an email? We're going to be looking at Okay. So, uh, our technicians are going to put up the websites, and uh, we're going to look at one right now, and we may actually go online to the web. We have. We move from the slide to the web. You're looking at a social media webinar, and I'd like the audience to help me optimize. Tell me the first mistake you see. And by the way, we don't want to be unkind to the person who submitted this. It was uh, Pitta. And, oh, this is the email. All right, and we're going we're gonna to look at this email, but tell me how you would fix it. Somebody says they're not seeing it. They don't see anything. Has it come through now? It's up now. There's a little lag time, but you should be able to see it now. We wanted to move off the slides. We've used the slides before, but we think seeing it like this makes it easier for you to, to, to comment. All right, now that you see it, tell me, how would you fix this? What is wrong with this email? Give us some uh, optimization tips. Wasted the top five inches. (laughs) The call to action is on top. Congratulations, Tyler, you've been listening. The headline needs to be a value prop. No, listen, David, it doesn't have to be a value prop, but it has to give them a reason to get into the first paragraph. And between the headline and the first paragraph, then they should start to be experiencing the value proposition. Here's too much text. The colors are terrible. The title is small. That's what Raul says. CTA is too far up. Yes, Karen. Uh, Andrea says register now. Steve says no personalization. Andrew says the call to action is before the text. Yes, you're getting it. The body is too long. Maybe. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. It depends on how much body text is necessary to get them to the landing page. But if they're using the email to sell instead of the landing page, you could well be right. So let me move over. We're getting your thoughts. Keep talking to us, but I'm asking Gabby. Gabby has been here a long time. She was a senior leader of lots of our research and optimization for the New York Times. Uh, You may know that we've been working with him for many years, and, uh, and we're involved in lots of the recent changes, et cetera, and it's been very successful. But Gabby's worked across many major research partnerships. We have micro labs set up inside and alongside of many major organizations. To extend our, our research, and Gabby has overseen many of those. Gabby, talk to us about this email and tell us what you do.
2: Sure. So, the main thing, I mean, when, what we just talked about, about the message and the value that is communicated, or actually lack of communication in the email, first I noticed there are two headlines. The one in the banner tells you about social media webinar, but the actual webinar is about mobile uh, opportunities within the, the nonprofit. A non-profit area, so that would probably create a disconnection with the reader. And then many pointed out the long copy. Actually, after reading the copy, it starts uh, somewhat well by stating a problem, but then it's very difficult to digest that copy quickly. So I would definitely re- recommend trying to shorten the copy and use bullet points or even bolding key phrases. One thing is important, of course, is the value of this webinar is what answers will it gives uh, to the mobile question that you're posing. And then um, it's important what I notice is this is a paid uh, webinar. And that's something not communicated in the email. It might be good to test because it could lower the clicks by stating the price, but at the end you want really qualified traffic for, for your webinar. And there is an incentive that you have on your, on your landing page for early registrations that it's not communicated in the email. So again, that's something that you may want to clarify. Um, and then at the bottom of the email when you scroll down, there are two logos. One is your company and the other one is PayPal. So you don't really understand what does PayPal has to do with this email or this webinar. Uh, you want to make sure that it's a sponsor as you communicate in the landing page. And also, because you might be targeting a rented list or list outside your um, in house list, people that may not know who you are, you also want to state maybe at the bottom of the email a little bit about the company, about yourself. Why am, uh, um, am I getting this email? Um, those are quick things that, that jump to my mind.
0: Now, we're going to move through a bunch of these trying to give you transferable principles, and I just want to say a couple of quick points before we move on. It doesn't matter where it's at or when it takes place until I'm interested in it. And Gabby may have pointed that out as I was reading your comments and feedback, but that's the kind of information you share when they've already expressed an interest by reading through enough of the content to demonstrate it. I wouldn't push that at the top. It's getting in the way of your core messaging. It's wasting valuable space, and it's talking to this girl at the bar about how many children you want to have before you've even got a date with her yet. And, and I would also suggest that you don't have a bold eye path through this uh, text, the paragraph, the second paragraph is too long. You should have bold font. You should use bullet points. Of course, you might shorten it, but it's far too much to absorb. It's too much work. You're requiring the customer to make meaning. I'm not going to say more because Gabby's done such a good job and the audience has done a good job. I'm going to shift to another email and uh, Peta. I hope this helps you. And if you'd like to submit uh, the revised version to us, we'll give you personal feedback to try and help you get a win. Let's take a look at uh, this email and uh, show it uh, top to bottom. There you are. I recognize that button. Did you? That's submitted by Kathy. Kathy, did you steal that button from us? Uh, Please be informed. Please be in contact with our IP attorneys. Maybe we stole it from you.
1: She's an LPO alum.
0: She's an LPO alumni. Well, I was going to say it's a beautiful, beautiful email. Uh, That means that she's uh, had certification training with us. And yes, Kathy, it is a good button. And I hope you did steal it from us or somebody, because it's it's easier to see. Look at the, let's go backwards. Uh, Well, look at the button on the previous page. Is that hard to do? There it is. It's hard to even tell that's a button. It has the same flat one-dimensional look of the banner. It says register now, which by the way, does that promise anything in exchange? Register now? You don't want to say register now, you want to say reserve your seat. Uh, Something that has a positive benefit for the click, it doesn't do that. But go to this one, scroll down, and let's look at that button, and it says get your free report. You see how that promises value? That micro yes is working. Let's stop for a moment though and let the audience talk to us about this. We can make it better, so audience, give us some ideas. I'd switch the image and bullet points, says Igor, so that image is on the left to draw attention and pass on to the bullet points. Good point. All right. Uh, Someone else, well, you know, I would say this, Igor, the the eyes already start at the left. So you typically want to use your image to draw them through the text. The goal of an image is either to support the value proposition, set a tone, or draw or control the eye path. It might be that she'll get better results where that image is right now. Let's keep going. Uh, Fix the heading image interrupts the eye path, I put the testimonials below the screenshot to bring the button up, the image is too small, I thought 70% of so people don't render images, so if the only call to action is an image, they won't see it, correct? Oh,
1: interesting point. I'll let, uh, I'll let Adam speak on that. Go ahead, Adam. Sure, and before we analyze this particular email, I would like to add something to the prior value proposition example that Dr. McLaughlin spoke about. I think the ignoring the process level value proposition is where we get a lot of our bad habits as marketers, those, those kind of popular tactics such as above the fold, uh, because uh, if you're you know, having to create a landing page that keeps everything above the fold, you essentially you're not adding enough value in that process decision to get somebody to scroll down the page.
0: <clears throat> but as
1: we look at this, this particular email, I would like to say that it does. It, it already has a lot of great um, you know, strategic principles involved with it. So you can definitely tell that Kathy is an LPO alum. Um, how I would improve this, there's, there's a couple things. Uh, number one, there's a lot of space dedicated to that banner. Um, you know, you don't re, you know, what if the visitor doesn't know what a word stream is? What is that image trying to communicate? It's a race car, but how does a race car uh, how is that relevant to AdWords itself? Also, who is the audience exactly? Uh, I know you're trying to appeal to any business, small to medium, that uh, perhaps needs to use AdWords. Uh, but are these, you know, are these somebody who, are these people somebody who already knows who WordStream is? Is this a rented or purchased list? That difference is going to be, um, you know, pivotal in how you create this email. If somebody's already heard of WordStream then I think how you you have laid out the the copy and the value is is perfectly fine. But if this this audience has not heard of WordStream, you get a a little bit of credibility first in order to get people to read through the page. Um, Also, there's no problem being communicated here. It's completely solution oriented. You're giving me a solution to improve my AdWords performance. Uh, What I would suggest to make that solution much more valuable and pertinent to the, to the end user is to build the problem for them. For example, you know, 78% of our clients are leaking revenue by underperforming campaigns and uh, you know, excessive bidding on irrelevant keywords. Or you know, a study from XYZ shows that the average small business is leaking 15% of their revenue that they could be generating as profit. So build that problem before you offer the solution. Um, and then the last thing I'll add to this is I think the email, it may be too good to be true. It may seem that way to the 2011 jaded customer on the other side. Um, you know, this is a free product. It looks free. It's a nice looking tool. It's going to um, you know, give me a lot of value, it, it, it appears so. But what's the catch? And so I think maybe um, addressing that anxiety or that concern people might have uh, may, uh, may help you, you know, generate more click-throughs on this email. Um, Kathy, I, I think Adam just put his finger on the most important point, and I
0: see that you tried to address that with a box, uh, and uh, underneath that with Claudia and the uh, testimonial. But um, I think the biggest gap you have to overcome is that people are going to think, if it's free, is it really worth my attention or time? However, I have to tell you that of the emails I've looked at in the last, say, five optimization clinics. This is one of the best ones I've seen. If you're on the audience and you're saying, uh, you know, can you show us an example of a good email, this is a lot better than many. Could you improve it? Yes. But it, uh, you're doing a lot of things right, Kathy. So congratulations. And uh, we'd like to help you uh, get it even better. Uh, let me just uh, move on quickly. I know that we only have four minutes left. If you remain on this call for four minutes, I'm going to spend all four minutes blasting through emails, trying to find something that'll help you. And we, we try to have a cross sample, like look at this one, completely different than the last. And so let's ask ourselves how we would improve this email. Audience, we're out of time, but I'd still like to see your thoughts. Quickly tell me. Robin says, I wouldn't, wouldn't the word free in this email be a trigger for spam filters? It's a good point. It can be depending on how you display it as an image. And if you display it as an image, You lose the ability for people to see it if they have their images off. Be really careful about that word. It could hurt you. Uh, But let's keep going. Uh, Someone says this is too busy, too much bold. Get rid of the shop now button. Too much copy. This looks like spam. It does, doesn't it? Too many images, too many buttons. The operative word, if you're here looking at these responses and they're pouring in, uh, 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 this was submitted by ES. Yes, if you look at this right now, uh, too many shows up in a over and over again from people who are watching, and they're right. There's too many, and we'll talk about all the too many there are in just a minute, but let's go back to Gabby, and Gabby, tell us real quickly what you do. That's
2: exactly the point. I mean, it's too many things going on, like we say, uh, especially with the design elements, shape, color, sizes, Um, and actually the offer is good. The problem is reading the offer and understanding the offer. So actually, first trying to control the eye path in Staying uh, close to the visitor's mind in terms of what should be presented first, second, third, and also weighting the sizes for the different elements. Uh, we are not against uh, against big buttons. Sometimes big buttons uh, works, but of course it needs to be related to what other elements are on the email and weighted against them. So I would really suggest to you uh, bro- break down the offer in terms of what are the things that will get you free shipping and the free product. Uh, click here to shop uh, and then have images of the qualifying products, but really weight them against the, the copy so that the eye of the, the reader is focused on the offer and not so much of the, the surrounding elements, the banners and the icons and the images at the bottom really distracts the iPad.
0: Excellent point. Excellent point. Um, Alright, uh, any point you want to add? Okay, we have two minutes left. I'm watching your comments come in, and uh, I think what I want to do is go as fast as possible to one more email. Let's use two minutes and see if we can get one more in front of you. By the way, while this email is coming in, because I'm going to have Adam speak about this in just a moment. By the, way, the two columns on the last one is a big mistake. There's a lot of errors. That's not an email, by the way, that you optimize. That's an email that you, that you print, and then you cut it with a pair of scissors into tiny little pieces and throw it away and start completely over in your design process. Because it's just, it's, it can't be fixed. It has to be replaced with a better version. And, uh, and I don't mean that in any offensive way, but you just need to know when to stop trying to make an incremental improvement on a bad email. Here's the good news. You got a real offer. There's something there worth paying attention to. You need to communicate it differently. Adam, I'm going to have you talk about this email. While Adam is doing that, would you just tell us if you found today helpful and if, if, if this content was too deep or just right and if these
1: examples are helping you. Let me get feedback so we can keep optimizing what we're doing here. Over you, Adam. Sure. So with the limited time, I only have three main points for this email. So first, if you scroll up to the top, you'll see a similar pattern occurring with all of, most of the emails we've seen is you're wasting a lot of space. And in this case, it's almost 400, 500 pixels until you know, the, the visitor really gets to see what the email is all about. So utilizing that top space a little bit better is going to help this email perform. Also, uh, the the headline is vague, it's ambiguous. I don't know what this email is about, what I'm supposed to do, and what value you're providing. So if you read further, you find out that they're going to tell you all the top places that you can go boating, that you can go fishing. Use that in your headline. Tell me top 25 best places to boat in America. Catch me! Give me an actionable figure, quantifiable number, something that's going to hook me into reading further. That, that m- first micro exchange, and then the last one is just the, the overall value exchange of the email. Um, you know, you have to remember as as somebody scrolling through their inbox that not only are you competing with all of the other boating uh, companies out there, you're competing with all of the other emails in their inbox, and so you know and Maximizing the amount of value that you're, you're providing on this email in order to get that click-through, and in this case, I think you, you could do that by, um, you know, providing a little bit more value about, you know, what I'm going to find out—is it the top fishing secret holes in America, or you know, the top you know places for families to, to go boating—and so just you know, amping up that value a little bit. All right. Excellent. Um,
0: I've been asked to show you one thing as you're leaving. These comments are great. I appreciate you taking time to write and give us feedback. You know, there are surveys after this, but I read these, and our staff reads these, and all of your thoughts and suggestions are really helpful. Uh, one more point that I've been asked to, to show you, too, and take me back to the deck, if you would, uh, uh, Luke. Uh, we have so many people asking, in fact, I was reading comments that just came in from someone saying, how, how, how can you help us with some of the things we're doing? We are not a consultancy. We're a research lab. We're an institution. We do have some, like MIT or, or Wharton, some services that we can help you with, but people really don't know how to engage them because we're so focused on the research, on what we're discovering, on extending you know, our, our learning. Uh, next week at 12 o'clock on Tuesday, November 15th, uh, I'm going to be joined by Brian Carroll who directs all of our applied research units, and we're going to talk about how to use this research to drive the needle inside of your own company how to engage with the organization it will not be like this webinar it is not a teaching webinar I've only done one webinar like this One I'm going to do now ever in the history of our company but we've had so many inquiries from so many people we're going to put them all on the phone at one time and say this is how we do it and that's what this webinar is so don't come if you're just wanting to learn because I I don't want to disappoint you or, or create the wrong expectation clarity trumps persuasion I want to be clear this is for people that want to understand the business model. What do we do? Uh, how can we help you? And if you have that interest, show up Tuesday, November 15th, 12 p.m., and we'll just talk it through with you and try to help you get your answers. Other than that, our normal web clinics will be right on schedule. About every two weeks, we're releasing the latest findings from our discoveries, and we invite you back to that. If today was helpful, tell a friend. These, uh, these webinars are, are very expensive to produce, and we hope that they the community of marketers that are learning together and all we ask you to do is tell somebody about them thank you again and we'll see you very soon